Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Good day, mate. <laughs> you changed your language. You can't uh, learn Australian that easily. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's about the only Australian. Oh, that's I it. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Give me another beer. But uh, yeah, I, I just got back from uh, New Zealand, Australia. Awesome trip. Awesome trip. If you ever get a chance, see. It, oh, it's winter there. It's it's winter fall. there. Fall, okay. fall fall going into winter. Huh. But uh, in in Auckland, the weather was great. In in Melbourne, uh, it was a little more overcast, but again, just great. Yeah, I like it a little cooler. I don't like it at all hot yeah, and yeah, sweaty. Sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I got enough trouble with my nuts sticking to my leg that uh, I don't need the uh, I don't need the extra help with the, the hot weather. Absolutely. But uh, you know, one of the things I was kind of surprised because uh, I was not sure at all. What to expect from beer in New Zealand? You know, people, I, I chatted with people, and I know they, they brew beer there, they drink beer there, but I was thinking, well, you know, it'll be okay, it'll be, you know, somewhat well, behind the your time. Your expectation was lower than... Uh, pretty pretty, pretty uh, darn low. I see. And uh, so, uh, uh, I get there, and I, I, I tried, uh, you know, this one brew pub that was near the hotel, and it was just okay. I'm thinking, okay. So you're on your own here. You don't have a guy. One of your homies gonna, down there is not guiding you around. Well, uh, right. I was going to meet up with a guy a little later on. <clears throat> I see. And after that point, you know, they, they took real good care of me. <laughs> but uh, I had beer there. I had like this. I go to this one place, uh, meeting up with them. I get there a little early. And I asked them, you know, what's one of your, you know, most popular New Zealand beers? And bartender. She says, uh, you know, this epic pale ale. People seem mm. to really like it. It's on draft. I have a glass of this, and it is perfect. It is perfection in a glass. It is mm. absolutely one of the world's best American-style pale ales I have ever had, if not the best. It was just outstanding. Mm. And I was just shocked. I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, with beer this good, why would you import any beer? Yeah, really. <laughs> why would you? What do you, you know, care about our blank blank beer? Right, right. <laughs> it was just, and they had a, a lot of imports at this one place. A really beautiful, uh, well, place. Uh, where did you get the idea for this epic uh, pale ale? You know, that's what maybe the import did for. Well, uh, and actually, well, it's funny. Uh, I mean, it's what I you sent me, you sent me the recipe because I'm, I think I'm going to be brewing it. Yeah, it's it like an all cascade beer. Right, all yeah. cascade. He actually went to school uh, for a time at uh, Sac State. I see. And hung out in Chico, Chico. Okay. you know, drinking That's Sierra good. Nevada. Yeah, it's just the yeah. and he, he says, yeah, that you know, all I'm, that influenced me. He was actually uh, a member of the Steinfillers Club oh. down in uh, uh, Southern California. Wow. 
So, uh, anyways, just just fascinating. And I went to this other place, Hallitower, out there. This guy, Steve, fantastic beers. Again, perfectly brewed. It was, I was shocked at the quality of just brewing. Mm. Uh, yeah, Emerson's, again, a, a lineup of perfectly brewed beers. There, you, you, you can't find a single flaw in right any of them. Down the line, wow. <laughs> And which is just surprising because a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, some of our favorite places right. can't hit them all out of the park. Exactly, and yeah. these guys are huh. just just fantastic. So I was really really pleased, and uh, everybody there is so nice. It's it's funny. Uh, I was chatting with my wife uh, the other day about the trip, and she's like, "I said, you know, I'd go back in a heartbeat." And you know, I don't really care for long flights and all that. And she she said, "Oh, you know, the flights didn't bother you because it's you know." 13 hours. I'm like, no. And I was telling her how the flight crew on the Air New Zealand flight, I said, you know, they weren't that fake friendly that you get on a lot of airlines. They seem like genuinely nice people. <laughs> and she said, well, is that like a New Zealand thing? I said, yeah. Come <laughs> to think about it, I think the people in New Zealand are genuinely just much nicer than huh. you're going to find a lot of places. I'm sure they get their share of jerks. But just genuinely very nice, kind, considerate. Sure. Uh, really a lovely place to go. Huh. If you ever get a chance, and it's, you know, uh, from all the, I didn't get to see much except for Auckland and uh, a, a cab ride outside of Auckland. But, uh, you know, from everything else I've seen, it's, you know, just absolutely beautiful country and, hmm. you know, the beer is stunning. So well, that'll do it. Beer yeah. and good people. I don't know what else you'd want. Beer, good people, beautiful place. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a place to go, and then the, the flight's pretty easy. I had no trouble. Just take the right drugs. Yeah, you know, it's something about traveling in that direction versus traveling east. Traveling west is much easier than traveling east. You know, it's just time-wise. Time you thing. tend to sync up easy. Yeah. I got there like 5.30 in the morning, and uh, the hotel checked me in early. I said, can I get an early check-in? They said, yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. They probably get a lot of charge, you know, because that doesn't people happen do here. Come from the east. That doesn't happen here at all. No, they're like, no, go get, get no, the no, hell out of here. Room's not ready. Yeah, go go buy something in the bar. No, these people are like, oh sure, yeah, nice. Room's, room's ready. Go I ahead. Like that. Yeah, I got in, got a nap. Ah, loved it. All synced up. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And and you know, Australia, of course, quite wonderful. And uh, I want to thank uh, David Lipman, a beer and brewer. He, you know, he's the one who made this whole trip possible. He paid for you know the whole thing. So. That uh, and that was fantastic. And I, I got to talk about that on another show, I guess, because uh, we're running out of a little time here. We've got to uh, get on with our um, brind- uh, our, our brindlegasm. Hey, real quick, Jamil, one of our Aussie listeners who ate all the pies wants to know if you also had Epic Armageddon IPA. Oh yes, you did. Okay, and I had I had the wood aged version. Oh, which I call Geddon Wood. <laughs> They were, they were calling it Woodmageddon and something else. I said, no, you call it Geddon Wood and, yeah. and you'll sell a lot more. That's right. I think he was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Geddon Wood. I don't know. We're not as childish over here as you are over there. <laughs> yeah, it's something about being an adult. I don't know. Yeah, we yeah. grew up here. Right? You guys in Never Never Land. Right. But, uh, it, it, it was absolutely fantastic. It was so balanced. You know, he's like, yeah, put it two months in, in New American Oak. I'm thinking, he's pouring this. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be horrible. (laughs) And it was was so mellow and so balanced, I was shocked. I'm like, how did that work? They must have blended it to unoaked beer or something. That's going to be a big, strong oak flavor. Right. He said he tasted it like around 10 days, 
and he, he thought, oh, I'm going to have to throw this away. What am I going to do with this? Because yeah. it was too, it was yeah. way over oaked. And then it just dropped off and mellowed out. Like two months in, he's like, yeah, it, it, it was just the most beautiful marriage of hmm. wood character, you know, with the vanilla and all mm. that. And uh, the hops and the malt and the alcohol and everything. This was an IPA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a really good IPA. Hop well. similar, they, like this more cascade. It's got stout. It's got, uh, hmm. you know, uh, the, the, just a great range of beers. Hmm. And I was I was very, very pleased nice. with those. Yeah. Saw Aussie Rules football game. Uh, spent about two hours chatting with uh, Richard Emerson of uh, Emerson's from New Zealand. Huh. Really nice guy. And a really good uh, brewer as well. So hmm. just blown away. And then uh, Little Creatures, their their White Rabbit uh, series, of new, their new venture there. Two really fantastic. They're dark and they're, and they're white. Really fantastic. Lots of fantastic beer. What? Just Everywhere. blown away. Yeah. Just, just, just a wonderful trip. If you get a chance, you should go. You know, don't, uh, don't hesitate. It's, uh, it's well worth it. Well worth it. Well, they need an Australia beer week. Then we'll all go over there because we're like sheep. Every time there's a beer week, we have to go to it. Well, they got that beer <laughs> and brewer true. expo, which is uh, call it beer week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty much like a beer week. Yeah, I'm sure you, you probably get them to stretch it out, um, but it, it's worth going. If uh, you know, there's so many other things to do there as well. You know, make a big family trip, but uh, you won't be disappointed in the beer at all. Hmm. Which you know, good to know. Yeah. All right, so uh, we, we get on with our, our brindlegasm here, <laughs> which is a, a series of uh, four Firestone Walker beers. We talk with Matt Brindleson. As always, the guy, yeah, he could be a Kiwi. He's so he's so nice. Yeah, he's a great you know, guy. He could, you know, always generous with his time and his information and so knowledgeable. Did the interview with him. Ended up being, after we trimmed it down, <laughs> it would be 50 minutes because he's full of great information you just can't stop talking to the guy you know he, he, he's filling you in on one thing or another thing every time uh you know you ask him well you know what about this and hops and then you know he tells you when it makes you think of another question another question and so there's like a whole nother 40 minutes that i yeah, had to cut off not just the recipe it's a lot of beer information yeah i'll have to play that this. i'll have to play that another time there's some information he said was confidential so i either need oh. to wait until it's no longer confidential or, just, or i need to edit those out oh. in order to be able to play that uh that thing so uh that's why we focus mainly just on the recipes uh for uh we got uh uh, Walker's Reserve. That's a great robust porter. We've got Pale 31, and, and another incredible uh, uh, pale ale. Union Jack, probably one of the best IPAs in the world. Mm. And uh, Firestone Double Barrel Ale. we got all that coming up in our next series of shows. So uh, here's what we'll do. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from Matt Brindleson, Firestone Walker, and it's going to be a nice, long interview. Uh, Tasty and I will go and drink ourselves silly. And then, uh, and then we'll we'll get on with with uh, the clone brews. Back after this. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of the, the Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What ho, friends? A male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah! No, sir! Please, wait! Just a moment! Aye! A package from the future? 
from Northern Brewer. Yes, the Pilsner Malt, my good man. And the Sats Hop, sucker. They ain't noble like Queen Victoria, but you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let Melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Boo. And use a thousand bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and get your nasty-ass bog myrtle back to the dark ages, Brother Abelard. Hey, this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we dead. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedashaf and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard and polish your style accuracy with Jamel. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewing network or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Take a listen. Our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. 
BN Army members. Are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Holly Tower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. You're listening to the Brewing Network. I'm speaking with Matt Brinelson, brewmaster at uh, the Paso Robles, California, Firestone Walker. How you doing, uh, Matt? I'm doing great. So uh, it's been a while since we chatted. Uh, I know you're always uh, busy creating all sorts of new stuff out there. Uh, what's on the horizon? What uh, what new beers can we expect from Firestone Walker? Well, you know, Firestone was always traditionally uh, a brewery that was all about doing very few things as well as we possibly could. And then uh, more recently, since our 10th anniversary, uh, the uh, the principals have allowed us to kind of work some new recipes into the program. Um, this year, we will be releasing, in addition to our uh, annual anniversary beer, uh, our barrel-aged blend, we're also going to be releasing a couple of the components from that program, and uh, we just bottled up our first uh, release of Parabola, mm-hmm. and that's a Russian Imperial Stout that we've been working with for about five years now, and I think we've got tuned up pretty well. That's a bourbon barrel-aged beer uh, that's been about a year in barrel. And then later in the year, um, we will be releasing Abacus, and that's our barley wine. Um, both of those beers we do in relatively small quantities, and uh, but they, they both originated as components of the anniversary series. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the fun stuff on the big beer front. Um, mm-hmm. The other beer that we released this year is our first summer seasonal, uh-huh. and uh, the that's kind of, kind of an interesting beer. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of our first foray into an unfiltered style beer. Um, we've been kind of hesitant to pin any uh, particular beer style uh, category, I guess you could say, to that, that beer. It's, it, we purposefully wanted to make something that was just really fun. You don't mm-hmm. have to think too much about um, but in the background, it, it really was kind of born out of, I did a lot of traveling in Bavaria last year and was really getting into Bavarian-style uh, southern Bavaria wheat beers. Mm-hmm. And um, also spent some time in Belgium over the past couple of years and started to learn a little bit more about the true origins of farmhouse-style beers. And so we kind of fused these two beers together to create solace, and uh, I think it's just kind of a fun drinking beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I I love it when uh, I don't know when somebody is as skilled as you and the uh, and the rest of the Firestone crew, you know, kind of go out of the uh, comfort zone and and start 
tackling some some new territory that you're passionate about it's really it really shows up as uh it's a lot of fun it ends up with uh, great beers yeah i mean we were just completely amazed that at world beer cup this year uh we pulled down the gold medal in bavaria bavarian hefeweizen i mean Mm -hmm. this is a style that you know i'm kind of fixated on as far as i enjoy drinking it and so we got to start brewing it um and we hadn't even released that beer as a firestone product we were really just playing with it in the brewery and uh, we were brewing some for the art house in southern california mm-hmm. and uh it was just it was amazing it was humbling <laughs> to pull down the gold medal in what i consider to be right. a german style you know because well, there's uh, the thing about the world beer cup is there's entrants from all over the world so they're sending bavarian hefas in to compete in that competition right yeah, just sitting across the room was uh, Hans Dressler from Schneider, and I had to kind of put my head down when we got the gold because, oh my God, you know, <laughs> it's fun. It's good fun. Right. Well, you're you're such a humble guy, and and uh, and so helpful, uh, and uh, you know, and, and of course the reason I'm calling you at home on the weekend and and taking up your time is. Uh, uh, you got a lot of fans out there that are also fans of Canyon Brewing, and so they want to hear you talk about uh, uh, three beers in particular: uh, the the Pale Thirty One, uh, the Union Jack, and the um, Walker's Reserve. Now, all of those have uh, have done quite well, especially uh, the uh, Pale Thirty One and the Union Jack at the recent. Uh, World Beer Cup and uh, GABF, right? Those, those, uh, you're you're winning gold medals and silver medals in you know probably the toughest categories. IPA is definitely a tough category, and I think every year I say you know statistically speaking, the chances of us winning are very thin. So don't, don't right. anybody get their hopes up. <laughs> well, and you won gold with Union Jack two years in a row, right? At GABF, yeah, yeah, that's that's an impressive feat right there. Winning yeah. gold in the same category. Uh, you know, twice is tricky, and when it becomes a category like IPA, it becomes it's pretty much well. I mean, I wouldn't say impossible. It, you know, if you're brewing a really high quality beer, uh, like you obviously are, then uh, uh, that's that's what it takes. Statistical anomaly. <laughs> there's some yeah. great IPAs out there. A- absolutely, there's there's lots of great ones that I really love. Um, you know, I, I consistently love Union Jack, but uh, you know, I, I think it, it shows that um, you know, while some mistakes are made in judging, you know, every now and then, I think in general they they tend to get it right. You know, they tend to reward the the people who are brewing some really good beers. So that's yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's why you do so well. Who's in charge of the judging, both for um, JBF and World Beer Cup organizing, it has done a great job of putting together what I think is a really solid group of judges and mm-hmm. also a program that's. That, that I believe in, you know, I've, I've done some judging uh, at both, of us, and um, you know, it's it's done very very well. It's done mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of done well, all right. So the uh, the the, the uh, pale thirty one. Now that also won at uh, World Beer Cup and GBF, right? Correct. Well, come on, don't be humble here. Just, uh, <laughs> rattle <laughs> off the list the here. Along the way, oh, but more recently, it did. It, it took gold at World Beer Cup. Uh, you, you, you kick some some butt with uh, <laughs> with that one, and I tell you, I love that beer. I I could drink, you know, boy, you, you can never really, uh, uh, you know, pick just one, but you know that that's one that I can drink every day and and drink in in, in quantity. It's now that's a lower alcohol beer, isn't it? Yeah. So. Um 
kind of a little history behind that beer. Uh, Firestone Walker started in 96. Their first beer was Double Barrel Ale, and they were just a one a one horse brewery for, for a couple years. And then their second release was called Windsor Pale Ale. And they were basically trying to make uh, a lighter English style bitter. And, uh, but it was very similar in its ratio of malts to DBA and its hopping regime. And when I came on board in 2001, um, they asked me to change that beer, uh, reformulate that beer to be more of a, an American style pale ale. And in my mind, when I think about that style, I think I think about it a, a little bit differently than maybe even the style guide suggests. I think, of course, Sierra Nevada is the benchmark. Uh, you know, they really, I think, own that style as far as creation and, and really mastering it and, and getting it out there. Um, and my understanding is that beer has some caramel malt in it, and there is a fairly um, pronounced middle malt character in that beer. When I thought about our pale ale, I'll be honest with you, I was really, in my mind, thinking more of the body and malt background of a Pilsner beer and then using American hops to really showcase the hops. So our beer is uh, 80% uh, base malt. In, in our case, we're using um, uh, Metcalf two-row. Um, I think that you could use English-style pale malts in this as well. Um, I always mix a little bit of Munich malt in with a base malt for our pale ale to try to mimic some of that toasty characteristics of, say, a, a Chris Maris Otter malt, mm-hmm. and you end up with a little more color. Uh, this is a 6 SRM uh, beer. And then we use no, no caramel malts, um, just a, a dash, about 5% of Brees Carapils to add just a little bit of that dextrin malt quality. but. So the, the, the base beer is, is really um, devoid of, of any kind of caramelized uh, malt character. Mm-hmm. And What's it's that? only an 11 Plato starting gravity. So, um, you know, it's only a 4.6% alcohol beer when we finish mm-hmm. it up. And um, uh, what's the percentage of Munich that you're using in there? Um, let's see here. So, so my base uh, malt is 80% two-row uh, 15% Munich malt mm-hmm. and 5% Carapils. Mm-hmm. I think that adds up to 100%. <laughs> yep. And I, yeah, I think that's what you know keeps it drinkable and, and gives it uh, you know uh, a dry enough finish that um, you keep wanting more. You just yeah. You know, I, I, and then so in the mashing uh, mashing program, we are mashing at a fairly low temperature, 145 degrees, uh, and and we stay at that temperature for quite some time. We finish off sacrification uh, in the mid-150s, but the idea is to try to create as much fermentability and, and get a, a very well-attenuated beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a, a real key. And and so then when it comes to hopping a beer like this, if you if you do end up with this really nice kind of um, uh, light malt and, and dry character, the hops can really uh, pop off of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so that's the malt portion. Okay, and and um, and, and what about the uh, hops? What uh, varieties are you using in that? You know, we played around um, a little bit with um, what I would call, I guess, bittering hops. You know, really high alpha hops mm-hmm. to start out with, and and this beer is really all about the finish hops. And so over time, we've we've kind of morphed this recipe 
and I've always been a huge fan of U.S. Fuggle, mm-hmm. and it's one of those hops that's always in my closet. I it, I can I can use it to substitute for Styrian Goldings, and in some cases even East Kent Goldings. Um, but it's one of those hops. It's you know the original genetic material comes from the U.K. Uh, that same genetic material is grown in Slovenia for Styrian Goldings. In the United States, when it's grown, it comes it comes across a little fruitier than maybe its European counterpart, but it's just a great all-around utility hop, and we're actually bittering with that hop. Mm-hmm. But we, we throw a very small amount in the beginning of the boil. I think it, it amounts to about 32 grams per barrel, which really only equates out to about 5 IBUs, and this is a 40 IBU beer. So it's kind of this backwards hopping regime we use in, in a lot of our beers where we're adding very little in the beginning. And oftentimes they say I only add enough hops in the beginning of boil to keep the foam down mm-hmm. and then start increasing the amount that we add throughout the boil and then throw a considerable amount in the whirlpool. So in this particular we're using Fuggle uh, in the beginning of the boil, uh, 30 minutes before knockout, we have a charge of actually Chinooks. And Again, I've, I've moved that around a little bit. I think a lot of brewers really fixate on single varieties, and they decide I can only use that hop. Um, but we kind of look at these hops seasonally, and Chinook is a hop that most seasons, if you look at it as a super high oil content, and so it's a real aromatic hop. It's great for dry hopping. It's great for finish hopping. But it's also one of those hops that in funny years or when it's handled improperly, it can really go catty. So... You know, I always say I love I love Chinook when it's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could substitute some other high oil hops like um, Simcoe, per, you know, possibly, um, and even CTZ when it's right has mm-hmm. some of these same really grapefruity, citrusy, oily characteristics that go so well in American type style pale ale. So that's where we kind of use that hop, mm-hmm. um, and so it sees a little bit of boil time. Mm-hmm. And then we finished this beer with kind of the classics, uh, basically a 50-50 blend of Centennial and Cascade in the Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see here. It's a, it turns out to be about 250 grams um, per barrel. Mm-hmm. And we actually, in our system, this is a 50-barrel brew house that we're brewing on, we get a considerable amount of utilization in the Whirlpool and every, you know, whether you're brewing on a home brew small scale or a really large scale, every brewer's got to kind of figure out what their utilization is in the whirlpool. Right. Um, we're, we're calculating about 22% utilization of pellet mm-hmm. hops in the whirlpool. Now, of course, that would be considerably less if you were using whole flowers. So, right. How, um, how long do you uh, whirlpool hop for? So the way our system is set up, we actually pump from the kettle to a dedicated whirlpool vessel. So we're we're pumping tangentially into that vessel, mm-hmm. and just before we finish filling the whirlpool, um, we start sp- uh, spreading the hops in, mm-hmm. and um, we'll have added all of those hops at the point where the whirlpool is full, mm-hmm. and then we rest for 20 minutes mm-hmm. before we start cooling in. So mm-hmm. those hops see 20 you know, maybe 20 to 25 minutes max of contact time prior to the cool-in, but then, of course, they're in there, mm-hmm. and there's contact throughout the cool-in. And I'm, I'm a strong believer of trying to get things cooled in real quickly, so, you know, we try to get these beers cooled in inside of 40 minutes. So, you know, at the end of the day, 
there's an hour, let's say, of contact time mm-hmm. total, but mm-hmm. a lot of that works in the fermenter before that. Mm-hmm. So, 20-minute okay. rest. And, and wh- how much is that 30-minute uh, sh- Chinook edition? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, that's a 32-gram per barrel mm-hmm. edition, so that it, it equates out to about 10 IBUs. So okay. the, the kettle program, there's only 15 IBUs worth of hops in it. Mm-hmm. And the other 25 IBUs are coming from the hops added in the Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you dry hop this at all? Yes. And, um, you know, I, we've talked about this a lot, you and I, about, you know, my beliefs in, in dry hopping, and every brewer's got a, a different take on it. But we um, we have a fairly aggressive primary fermentation. Most of our beers will ferment out in three to four days. Mm-hmm. Um, this beer being such a low starting gravity is pretty much done in three days, uh, or I should say, I shouldn't say that, it's pretty much done by day four of the fermentation. Um, and what I try to do is catch dry hopping right at the very tail end of primary fermentation. So um, some yeast has, has precipitated out of solution, but there might be a half a degree to one degree plate of a fermentation that we're still um, waiting for. And that yeast activity goes a long ways to both aid in reduction of dissolved oxygen and protect the beer. You know, we're a bottling brewery, so we have to be very conscious of our dissolved oxygens across the whole brewing program. But there's there's a lot of research being done, and, and you know, I can't really speak about the science specifically, but brewers know that yeast in the presence of hop oils or active yeast in the presence of hop oils creates some of these others really wonderful flavors that we associate with dry hop and late hopping. And so I'm I'm kind of a believer that with some yeast activity, you're both protecting the beer and creating even better flavors in dry hopping. So uh, we'll add pellets directly to the top of these. These are big cylindroconical fermenters. Um, Most of the fermenters we're dry hopping in are 200 barrel fermenters, but we're getting up on top um, just adding the hops uh, literally to the top and allowing the, the pellet to percolate down through the beer. Um, and then we, we typically only sit on those dry hops for about three days. Um, so, you know, a typical cycle in our brewery is uh, we, we start the beer on day four, the fermentation's almost done, we would add the dry hops, we would wait three more days, maybe a fourth day until our diacetyl check passes. Um, so we're seven to eight days warm, and then we would dump those hops and what yeast is left underneath uh, the beer out and then crash cool the beer, uh, mm-hmm. and then it would be re- ready for uh, finishing seven days later. Most of these are 14-day beers. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's pretty much the regime for our pale ale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, we kind of went into great detail there, but that's, you know, for the most part, um, how most of our pale ales or IPA styles or beers made with our house ale strain that are dry hopped, that's kind of the program. Mm-hmm. Okay, now um, now what about the uh, finishing gravity on this beer? It usually finishes down um, 2.4 Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. And we do, we do play around a little bit in the finishing with Firestone Pale Ale. We actually... Um, blend in some of our 100% oak fermented DBA into that beer, and that's how we infuse oak into that product. Hmm. So, you know, that's going to be something that's a little trickier for people to to mimic at home. Um, the beer that we sell uh, through Trader Joe's, Mission Street mm-hmm. uh, Pale Ale, 
is actually the unadulterated uh, straight pale that I just talked about. So, mm-hmm. um, I love that beer too. Yeah, especially yeah. it's 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 so <laughs> you know you can't get a better value than that beer at Trader Joe's. That's that's a screaming screaming. Yeah, value. I just tell people to watch watch your dates because Trader Joe's is is not uh, big on cold storage of the beer there right. on the grocery store floor. So as long as uh, you pick nice fresh dates, it should be a wonderful beer to take home. <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty darn stable though. I I, I haven't had a bad one at all. Uh, I'll tell you so. what, it's the, the holy grail of brewing is trying to brew a bulletproof beer, you know, right. in the bottling world. And um, we work we work long and hard in the lab on trying to figure out ways of, of increasing our flavor stability over time. Um, you know, brewers have a lot of tools at their disposal to, to build in physical stability, uh, you know, filtering and things of this nature. But um, creating a beer that's super fresh tasting after... A long period of time of warm storage is really difficult. Mm-hmm. I love I love Vinny's labels where it's on Pliny where it says about a hundred times on there like drink this fresh, do not right. warm store. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, um, what is uh, this? Is the same yeast strain you use for for all your other beers as well? Yeah, in our brewery, there's it's a British uh, ale strain. I couldn't tell you exactly. Uh, its origins, it's it's Firestone's fu- uh, house strain. Mm-hmm. It's to me, it's it's most it's most similar to Fuller's yeast, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, so probably London ale yeast or one of the British strains would best mm-hmm. mimic that the characteristic. Mm-hmm. We're really looking for something that's it is it is a good attenuator, but it leaves behind this kind of really nice juicy fruit type ester profile in the finished beer, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of these yeasts that. You really don't want to over aerate, um, and uh, you're looking for a, you know a strong fermentation. And you'll get this really nice ester profile. Mm-hmm. And and what's the fermentation uh, temperature on this? We actually cool our uh, cool in at 17 degrees Celsius, and set our fermentations at 19 degrees mm-hmm. Celsius. I think that's about what 68 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, any other tips for for brewing this beer? You know, I think that um, you know the keys to to all this is keep it simple on the malt bill. You know, mm-hmm. there really isn't a whole lot in there. There's no magic dust in the front end, and a clean fermentation. I mm-hmm. think those are two of the real keys to it all. So you'd say the the key to brewing a, a great beer is uh, skill <laughs> and attention <laughs> to detail. <laughs> Happy yeast, happy yeast. Yep, yep, yeah. It's a uh, skill, attention to detail. Probably, probably big, big keys in uh, why the, why this beer is so good. Uh, yeah, yeah. People always think that there's some some magic ingredient that uh, uh, brewers aren't giving them. They say, well, you know, he gave me the recipe, but I don't really believe it because mine didn't turn out the same. Well, you know, it probably has something to do with skill and, uh, you know, uh, sanitation, fermentation quality, you know, happy, healthy yeast, all that. Yeah. Makes a big difference. I, I don't have a really great memory, so I try to keep everything super simple and clean. <laughs> that uh-huh. way I can repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. All right. Okay. So that's the the pale thirty one, and then you mentioned that uh, Union Jack is actually um, related in some way or, or similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. When we came, when we formulated Union Jack, we really took 
the basics of that pale ale and just turned everything up a couple notches. So Union Jack, uh, where where pale ale is 11.5 degrees Plato starting gravity, uh, Union Jack is 17 degrees Plato starting gravity, which we end up with uh, a beer with seven and a half percent alcohol. So it's a it's a it's a big boy. It's on the upper end of the American IPA style category, mm-hmm. and uh, 75 IBUs. Which um, and that's measured IBUs. If if you walk when we walk through the hop program, it, it probably calcs out at some you know ridiculous 150 IBUs at the end of the day. But um, analytically, we get 75 IBUs into this beer, and it's an eight SRM color. So uh, this beer is almost the same um, in its percentages of malt. It's um, it's 80 to 85 percent base malt, mm-hmm. and when we were doing all the trial beers for this, we really were trying to integrate um, English pale malt. I really wanted to use English pale malt as the base. And at the end of the day, we ended up going back to our same two-row Munich blend. We liked those beers better than when we used uh, the, the straight English pale malts. And we just seemed to get a cleaner, again, less muddled background that allowed the hops to kind of pop off of it a little bit more. Uh, this beer also has 5% carapils in it, um, and we used just a dash of caramel malt. And I just, that was that was a color decision more than it was a flavor decision. I just mm-hmm. wanted this beer to have a little more of that orangey hue to it mm-hmm. um, that I just love in, in nice IPAs. So, so looking at this beer, it's going to look just slightly darker in color than right. the pale ale. So this is uh, Simpson's Light Crystal? Yeah, we're using um, the Simpson 3040, I think it is, or like, you know, mm-hmm. Simpson 37, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just chewing that malt is really nice. Mm-hmm. It's a nice flavor Only beer that in our entire program that uses any Simpson malt. Mm-hmm. Everything else we use crisp caramel malts in. So this is one um, percent, you said, or less than one percent. Uh, it's about. I think it calculates out to about two two percent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mash. Great. In and our brewery, it's one bag. You know. Mm-hmm. And what's the uh, the mash uh, temp on this? So again, um, I was going to bring it up on my computer here again, just to make sure. We we mash this also in at one forty five. Sixty three C. And we hold that for a full hour. And again, we're just trying to we're trying to promote as much uh, beta amylase activity so that we get really good attenuation. Mm-hmm. Um, we then ramp up to 155 for just a short period of time and do our iodine starch test just to make sure everything's converted. And then we drop it to the water ton for for the watering program. Um, I'm I, I go back and forth. I think that um, depending on your brewery and how how things end up fermenting out for you. If, if you find that your IPAs are ending, you know, the, again, this is a 7, 7.5% alcohol beer, and depending on your yeast, I wouldn't be opposed to using some dextrose sugar mm-hmm. and replacing some of the Turo to get to that gravity to make sure that you get good attenuation. I'd like to see this beer under 4 degrees Play-Doh finishing gravity, and sometimes that's difficult uh, with some people's yeast. So, you know, I, I kind of look at it by the numbers and uh, wouldn't be opposed to using some sugar. That's certainly very common in English breweries um, to use some sugar in a beer like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, all right, so uh, what's the uh, starting gravity on this as well? So it's 17 degrees Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And it finishes out around? Just under four. Okay. And, and what do you ferment that at? Um, exactly the same as the pale ale. So okay. we're cooling in at 17, allowing the yeast to free rise up to 19, and then what, at 19. Actually, at the very end of our fermentations, we turn the cooling jackets off, and that allows the yeast to free rise once again, and typically we wouldn't allow it to get any more than 21C, but that's just to allow all diastole reduction to occur. There's a little bit of a, you know, I think there's some confusion out there in what a true diastole rest is, and diastole rest is all about allowing your yeast at the end of fermentation to uh, take back up those precursors that will later turn into diacetyl, and all yeast activity happens best at higher temperatures, so it's kind of a... People are misled when they read German textbooks and they read this, you know, diastole rest should occur in the low to mid-50s. You know, mm-hmm. so some people are fermenting ales out and then dropping the temperature for diastole rest, and that has the opposite effect of what you would like. You, would, you don't want to send your yeast to the bottom of the tank. You want to get your yeast continuing to be active at the end of fermentation to mop up any of that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. precursor. Yeah, maintain that temp or, or bump that temp a few degrees. and Yeah, exactly. And it also helps active. you get to the finish line attenuation-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, this one's also fermented uh, in stainless, right? There's no barrel aging on this one? No, no. We Again, we tried really hard. We did a bunch of fermentations in oak and, and looked at what the blend should be, and it kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where <laughs> we, the best beer we could make didn't touch oak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I think it would be fun to maybe ferment beers like this on oak staves um, if you're looking for t- to, to add a little bit of that flavor. But there's so much hop going on in this beer, I think it would be lost. Right. Well, and, you know, that that's, I think, one of the mistakes a lot of times people make is they think, oh, you know, hoppy beer, bitter beer, i got to have a lot more, you know, residual sweetness to balance that. I think that was the, the old adage of it's like, well, you balance bitterness with sweetness. It's like, well, not necessarily, I think... Um, you know, you end up with just a heavy beer that's not very drinkable. Whereas I in Jack, say, yeah, I think it, can, it really lowers drinkability. And, mm-hmm. and the key to these hoppy styles is to keep the the malt sweetness down. Right, right, right. Uh, and it just uh, makes such a, a huge difference. And and uh, you know, do you think that some of the resiny uh, hop uh, character and and some of the uh, you know the hop uh, flavors and 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 those compounds kind of actually take the place of sweetness in balancing the bitterness yeah i think you're onto something i mean it's hard to put your your finger on it but those big hoppy beers take on just this whole different texture Mm -hmm. altogether right and um like uh, pliny almost seems balanced to me (laughs) yeah even though it's just so hoppy and over the top right you know, somehow the bittering's balanced with something. I don't know. It it, it, it works. It's you know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Maybe it's hop glycosides, but that's probably another subject for another day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, what is the uh, hop schedule on on uh, Union Jack? Well, it's a little little more aggressive, obviously IPA. Um, again, I, I try not to get too fixated on particular variety when it comes to bittering hops. Um, in this particular case, uh, we typically use Warrior as our bittering hop, but I will sub in um, CTZ or um, even Summit hops for the bittering. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, this, we boil this beer for 90 minutes, so by the end of the boil, uh, there isn't a huge flavor impact 
that those mm -hmm. bittering hops uh, are having. So we're really just looking for a very high alpha acid hop to to give us a lot of a lot of that upfront bitterness. Um, and you're you're adding that that first bittering addition uh, at, at ninety minutes before right. the end of boil or at the beginning of boil. Right. And so we're 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 using about one hundred and thirty grams per barrel warrior, mm -hmm. uh, targeting about a fifty IBU charge right out of the gates. Mm -hmm. And um, you know it's interesting. I I hadn't had enough time to really map this thing out to figure out where our IBUs are really coming from. Like I said, when we calculate this out, it, it, on paper it looks like it's 150 IBU beer, but at the end of the day, the spectrophotometer tells us it's 75, and we're lucky if we can get to 75. So, um, you know, we really wallop it up front, and mm -hmm. maybe that could actually be backed off and to the same effect. It's, it's hard to say, but um, then we wait, and we have a second charge uh, 30 minutes before the end of boil, mm -hmm. um, and that is a blend of Cascades and Centennial. So it it kind of follows that theme of the pale ale. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, and it's a 50-50 it's a blend, so it's about 90 grams of Cascades and 90 grams of Centennial. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so already if you're, if you're calculating IBUs as we go here, that's already, uh, you know, 80 IBUs <laughs> at mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, just like the pale ale, we hit it uh, also with a, a blend of Centennial and Cascade. And in this case, it's just a larger quantity, um, mm -hmm. almost 270 grams per barrel of each Cascade and Centennial in the Whirlpool. 270 um, grams of each. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and this becomes a problem on these big beers um, in breweries like ours because your yield goes down by throwing so many hops into the kettle and whirlpool. Mm -hmm. So this becomes a really difficult beer for us to get a good yield uh, to the fermentation cellar. Mm -hmm. If anybody out there is wondering why IPAs cost more than right. Right. <laughs> other beers. <laughs> um, but it's hard It's hard to homebrew uh, these beers and be at the, uh, the price you sell them for. Yeah. No, you I'm know. kidding. You know, the hops, the hops, the hops, hops alone. Hops a lot, and then you're not right. getting as much beer out at the end of the day. Um, right, right. You know, we're so. constantly scratching our heads trying to figure it out, and uh, some big brewers go to centrifugation to try mm -hmm. to spin some of the the wort or beer away from the hops. Um, mm -hmm. Some go to some hop extracts, which I think is a, is a really good idea, um, mm -hmm. especially for the bo the boiling charges on these. Mm -hmm. um, we've toyed around a little bit with. I mean, we haven't even gotten into it, but we've been talking to a CO2 extraction plant uh -huh. uh, up in Yakima about maybe doing some cascaded CO2 extracts, because they're not readily available in the market, mm. um, and just playing around, seeing if we can do something with that, but mm -hmm. but no, this is just a ton of hops. All right. And then, do you dry hop this as well? Yes. And Union Jack, we actually dry hop twice, and, you know, again, whether or not we could get away with doing this uh, a larger amount once... Uh, we just found our best success with dry hopping it twice. So just like the pale ale on day four or on this beer, since it's a little higher uh, starting gravity, sometimes we're not quite to uh, one degree before, before terminal gravity until day five. But again, we would dump uh, what, what yeast was sitting on the bottom of the fermenter out and do our first dry hop, which is essentially a 50-50 blend of Cascade and Centennial. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 very similar to the pale ale in in, in this regime of using a lot of Cascade and Centennial. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then we would wait three more days or until day eight uh, of the fermentation, uh, dump those hops out from underneath the fermenter, and then we use a little more of a cocktail blend of uh, hops. I won't get into the exact ratio, but um, we use, again, a little more Centennial and Cascade, Mm -hmm. and then we add to the blend some Simcoe and Amarillos. Mm-hmm. And um, I like those hops a lot. I, I use them very judiciously um, because they, they do have a pretty serious flavor impact, especially the Simcoe's. And um, we were looking for something that, um, you know, wasn't entirely Northern California and, and real dank mm-hmm. and garlicky and oniony. We really wanted to stay on that citrus side of the hop uh, kind of flavor wheel. And so I would, I would have to say that Cascade and Centennial really lead the, the charge as far as the aroma and flavor of this beer. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's the overall total um, grams per barrel on the... Uh... Yeah, so it, it, what it comes down to is both of those dry hops are approximately a half a pound per barrel. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, we have a full pound per barrel uh, dry hop. You know, we've we've played around with a couple different ideas, uh, trying to after say a day after dry hopping, coming back to the tank and rousing the pellets back up into the beer to try to get a little more hop oil extraction. Um, we've had some mixed results with that because sometimes when you rouse those hops back up into solution, you end up getting some of the vegetative notes that I'm not as fond of mm-hmm. um, instead of just getting the pure oil notes. But you know, I think brewers, everybody's you know kind of surface area ratios are different in their fermenters, and um, I think some of these dry hopping things need to be tuned per the brewery and the brewer's preferences flavor-wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, So uh, on, on this beer, I'm sure people ask, are you making any water adjustments? Are you burtonizing your water in any way? Or Yeah, uh, so at Firestone, we have a reverse osmosis system, so all of the water that we're brewing with goes through that system. So we, we have we have sand filters to take out particulate, activated carbon to take out chlorine, fluoride, and all the the, the city's additives mm-hmm. um, or flavor. And then we'll run through water softeners and then lastly through reverse osmosis. So we, we really do process the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're forced to come back and add some salt. And I'm I'm not a huge fan of over-burtonized water, mm-hmm. so we're we're using a blend of both gypsum and a little bit of calcium chloride, and mm-hmm. really trying to target getting a hundred parts into our finished beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we add some salt to the mash mixer. Um, we will add a little bit to the kettle, mm-hmm. um, and so for the most part, it's pretty soft water that we're brewing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, you, you go to Burton on Trenton. That water is so, so heavy and so uh, uh, you know. And there's also a sulfur element mm-hmm. to that Burtonized water, and that that part we kind of leave out. <laughs> right, makes makes for a, a much sharper, uh, almost harsher bitterness. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I'm uh, I'm not real great at water chemistry. Uh, I just I tend not to want that hardness to dominate in any way. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. so we also add uh, acid uh, or acidify, mm-hmm. and and this is across all of our beers. We're really uh, tailoring the acidification to pH, both in mash and wort going to cellar. So uh, we will add 
typically we use phosphoric acid, food-grade phosphoric acid, and we'll bring the pH down to 4.5 in the mash mixer. Mm-hmm. And by the time we're at the end of boil, we want to cast out at 5.2. And so typically it doesn't take a whole lot of acidification. And in the beers like uh, the Reserve Porter or some of these other darker beers with a lot of roast malts, we tend not to have to add any acid mm-hmm. to those mm-hmm. pH. Right, because you're going with a fairly soft water. Well, and speaking of the uh, Walker's Reserve, um, what uh, what can you tell me about that beer? Well, it's, it's quite a departure from the beers we just got done discussing. Um, Walker's Reserve, uh, in its, its original recipe, uh, it was formulated... Uh, by Jeffers Richardson at the original Firestone Brewery down in San Ynez, and it was called Black Barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on, when we decided to release it in bottle, we changed the name to Reserve. And uh, the beer has morphed over time, um, but a couple things have, have stayed um, true to this beer. One, um, it's always had some oats in it which is not typical for a uh, robust porter, I, I don't believe anyway. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of an interesting blend of hops. It's got both East Kent Goldings and Cascades. So it's, it's kind of a strange beer on paper, but um, uh, this beer, we ferment 50% of it in medium toast American oak. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really does have quite an oak component to it. Uh, it's a lot of work, this beer is. And it's the only beer that we bottle condition, so all of the 22-ounce bottles that you see in trade uh, go through a bottle conditioning. Hmm. So, um, you know, so there's a few different things about this beer, but uh, I don't know if you want to walk through the malt bill. Yeah, please. Um, this beer, we do use all English pale malt, so it's 70% crisp Maris Otter, and that's mm-hmm. a 3.5 color malt, so you do end up getting a little bit of color along with that kind of toasty Maris Otter characteristic uh, that I, I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a 10% um, C77, uh, that's crisp 77 malt. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, 5% breeze chocolate malt, mm-hmm. uh, 5% wheat, mm-hmm. we're using white wheat, white malted wheat, 5% uh, oats, mm-hmm. Um, it's about two and a half percent crisp C120, mm-hmm. and then on all the dark beers, I like to use a little bit of Carafa just to make sure that we get the color like as black as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, so this beer has—I uh, didn't do the math here exactly, but I think it's 1.5 percent Carafa. Mm-hmm. We use the the Dehusk Carafa Three, the darkest of the special products. three. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I like that a lot. So that's the malt bill. It's kind of like, it's 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 not the kind of, of malt bill I would typically formulate. I mean, it right. looks like it's got everything but the kitchen sink in there. Uh-huh. But um, it's it's worked and it's tradition and and that's that's the recipe. <laughs> 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 and then on the hopping side, um, we bitter this beer. Uh, we boil this beer also for ninety minutes, and, and we use um, aroma hops. We use East Kent Goldings throughout the kettle program. So. Uh, this beer has 95 grams per barrel East Kent Goldings at the startup boil. Mm-hmm. And then there's another uh, approximately 60-gram addition uh, 30 minutes before knockout. Mm-hmm. The target IBUs for this beer uh, is 45. And then this odd kind of twist, 
uh, we add 200 grams per barrel cascade in the whirlpool. Hmm. Do you do any uh, dry hopping? No, no dry hopping okay. on this beer whatsoever. All right. And um, what's the starting gravity on this one? So the OG is 15 Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Our target color is 75 plus. I mean, we're looking for a pretty dark, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's black over ruby, basically, mm-hmm. the color. Mm-hmm. And um, same fermentation uh, regime as the pale ales that we were talking about. So we cool in at 17C mm-hmm. and ferment at 19. Mm-hmm. Um and we don't do any any finishing on this beer. So basically, uh, 24 hours into the fermentation, uh, we move 50% of this beer over to the union set mm-hmm. and allow the fermentation to go um, in the new American oak. Uh, and then at day seven or day eight, we blend those barrels back into the same stainless steel tank that the fermentation started. Mm-hmm. And then um, we wait uh, until it passes diacetyl test, and then crash cool. What size are those uh, barrels? The barrels are uh, 65 gallons Mm -hmm. each, and um, we currently are, I think we have 44 barrels in our union right now. I can calculate surface area and figure out (laughs) how how many cubes to use. Yeah. Okay. the, let's see, what else, what other details are there here? This beer, I, I just have a general rule. If you can't see through the beer, there's no sense in running through the filters. So this beer is mm-hmm. just transferred over to the, the bright tanks after it sits cold for 7 to 10 days. And, and then we we actually use high and wort from, from another fermentation and spike the beer in the bright tank and then bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't do a 100% bottle conditioning. The beer is typically coming out of the fermenters somewhere in the area of, of two volumes of CO2, oh, okay. and then we'll bring it up to maybe 2.5 through mm-hmm. high and bottle conditioning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what about the uh, MASH program on this? Okay. Um, let's see here. Again, we're starting this one at 145 degrees or 63 degrees Celsius, mm-hmm. but we only rest there for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and then we ramp up to 156 degrees Fahrenheit or I think that's uh, 69 degrees Celsius for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we've played around with when we add the oats. Sometimes we don't add the oats at the very beginning of the mashing program. Mm-hmm. We'll wait until towards, I would say, the middle the middle half of, of the 156 degree rest. So we're not adding the oats until we get up to 156 degrees. Hmm. And and the purpose of that is you know anytime we use oats we have these varying degrees of of stuck mashes mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, in our brewery we've just been playing around with different different ways of using those, that product without sticking the mash and for some reason you know one of our brewers started playing around with when he had them and ever since we started adding them at 156 degrees. And whether or not it's just shorter resonance time in the mash mixer, or if it has something to do with actually adding them at the temperature, I kind of think it's more the amount of time uh, mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to make sure that we get any starch that we're adding with that product converted, so it does need to be in the mash mixer for some period of time before we mash off and start running off. Hmm. 
A- any other tips on uh, brewing a, a great beer like this? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's loosely in the robust porter uh, style, and in mm-hmm. my mind, um, you know, we also brew an oatmeal style velvet merkin, and although they have some similarities in their malt bill, uh, the stout has a lot of roast barley, whereas the porter has uh, a larger charge of just chocolate malt, mm-hmm. and that kind of separates them in their malt bill. Um, and then the hopping regime, our oatmeal stout, is 100% hopped with U.S. Fuggle, and it's very low, relatively low IBUs and very low finishing hop character, whereas the porter, we differentiate it by having this kind of cascade finishing hop character. So, you know, um, whether or not this is really to style, I think it's a little outside of the style category, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's, um, I think it's a, it's a really nice beer. Well, I've been judging at the um, California State Fair commercial competition and, you know, uh, other people saying, well, you know, it doesn't really seem like it's very much in the style of, like, you know, commercial beer, don't worry so much about style. It's it's, it's all about, you know, beer quality and, and drinkability is really, you know, to take a phrase, uh, <laughs> it's really, yeah. uh, you know, it's really key. You know that's that's what you guys have to worry about is is getting people to you know buy more and more of the beer and uh, you know to keep coming back and drinking it. And if you worry yep. too much about style, then you know chances are that's going to hurt you rather than help you. So, well, and and there's so many beers that represent the classic styles out there already. I think when mm-hmm. when a brewery like for instance we were trying to come out come up with our recipe for Solace for our summer seasonal, we really wanted to try to do something that was unique and different and tried not to fix a style to it so that people had this kind of preconceived notion of what the beer was supposed to taste like. We really wanted to create something that was original, so that's, mm-hmm. that's difficult to do these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you keep doing it. or You keep you keep surprising people. You know, I, I remember when Union Jack first came out, you know, we all rushed out and, and picked some up at the store, and I'm like, wow, wow, you know, that's, that's really surprising. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, it stood out. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't the same IPA anybody else was doing, and, and it was just so good. You know, it, it just it, it was just shocking. I, I remember Justin and I like, you know, Union Jack. You tried Union Jack? And we're like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And we're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're just kind of standing there looking at each other, like, wow, that's a really great beer. Well, if they are any, any indication, it's our fastest growing um, beer in the brewery. So uh, we've been buying a lot of hops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Matt. You're you're always awesome. You 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 spend so much time and effort uh, supporting uh, you know home brewers and other commercial brewers uh, with your knowledge and and uh, you know just kindness and and friendship. And we really appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing as well. Thank you. Thank you for including me. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers! When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 19th century Burton-upon-Trent. Ah, Merry England! Something is amiss, my friends. Be on guard! Are these casks of white Zinfandel will stand the Queen's men in good stead in far Bangalore? Ah, hell no! Blush wine out of Britain be worse than microwaving a kitten. Maharaja Dodgers drinking pink be vomiting predominant on the subcontinent. Oh, dear, you can't drink blush with Vindaloo. Oi, <laughs> what should I do? 
ship hogsheads of this high-carbonate water. <laughs> no, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Well, bless me. A parcel from the future. From one northern brewer. Use this malice all time, my good man. EKG at a high rate per barrel make ladies wet like Colin Farrell. Now quit Burton ruining the Burton Union and get Burton brewing. Forgettest thou not the bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and keep that nasty-ass bog myrtle inside your sackcloth, Brother Abelard. My stars, but this India Pale Ale is better than wine. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we dare. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to Riverside Dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. The cutting-edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers.
Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Uh... White Labs. It's all in the vial. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's so easy. Just throw it together. Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Beer. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. How about that Matt Brimelson? Man, he gave us the whole store. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's, wow. And so so knowledgeable. He really, really knows his stuff. I think, uh, Yeah. Uh, you know, having somebody like that that's willing to share with us homebrewers, I, I love that. I think it's uh, good stuff. Well, I meet, I meet now and then a lot of the guys he works with, and uh, you can tell they all just love that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, and he's he's quite an attractive man too. Oh, so. nice little. Oh, okay. Hmm. You know, I think that that may have something to do Didn't with it. I wasn't that inclined. Okay. Well, the guys at Northern Brewer, are oh, yeah. but ugly, but they're nice guys too. So uh, they're they're actually sponsor this show, and uh, you know they're paying for it, so you don't have to they're paying for this air conditioning. This is nice an air conditioned studio. We even have a video feed in this studio if you want to oh, see yeah. see us live in all our our beauty. And uh, you can go yeah. to uh, justin.tv and then it's slash Brewing Network. Brewing Network. Yeah. Right. And uh, you can see us uh, sit around, uh, talk into microphones, drink beer. Scratch our balls, whatever we're doing. Balls, whatever we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably more scratching balls than anything else. Uh, you can check that out. But uh, be sure to check out uh, Northern Brewer, northernbrewer.com. Uh, great people, uh, great products, uh, excellent customer service. Um, you know, well worth well worth supporting because they they support us. And uh, you know, we're going to be out there. We're going to we're going to be out the NHC. It's coming That's up. Right. We're That's all right. we're all heading out. We're going to have the whole cast of characters out there, except Doc. I guess he's not going to make it. Just found that out. Yeah, yeah but uh, all the rest of us will be out there. Uh, JP, Justin, Tasty, me, um, Chad. Jad, we'll, we'll all be out there, and uh, we're actually going to do appearances at uh, Northern Brewer. We're going to be doing a uh, the the BNA uh, five. You know, we'll be rocking that for sure. Uh, oh, yeah. It's going to be a heck of a party. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm getting a little concerned that uh, <laughs> my liver may give out at that point. I don't know. Yeah, Northern Brewer just sent me over uh, their end of the beer list, and yeah. we had to send them our West Coast beer list. We have far more beer than we need. Oh, it's, all right. It's ridiculous how much beer we now have. You can, you can never have far more beer than you need. <laughs> Take the third yeah. bus. It's going to be a good week. Right, right. So <laughs> that's going to be uh, an incredible event. And then the conference itself, uh, you know, we'll be there hanging out. So if you get a chance, uh, you want you definitely want to come out uh, to Northern Brewer, see us out there and, and at the uh, anniversary party and just around the area. We'll be 
sure we'll be at the conference most of the time, but we'll be drinking in all the local establishments as well. So if you want to come out and, and hook up with us, that's the place. Yeah. All right. So the way we're going to do this, because uh, we have this uh, one long interview, uh, that's that's kind of the we didn't want to break that up into uh, little segments. There's you know so much good stuff in there. Uh, we're going to do our next show will be Firestone Walker Walker's Reserve, and then the show after that is going to be the Pale Thirty One, then the Union Jack, then uh, the Double Barrel Ale. So you'll be able to get each of those shows. There's not going to be an interview in it. It's going to all be uh, details about uh, the recipe and brewing the beers. And you can always come back and, and revisit this one if you want. It's one of the benefits of listening live is uh, you'd get them all today. Yeah. If you're not listening live, then uh, it's about two weeks between each one. And uh, there, they, you know, it's just the way it goes. Oh, the bitching is going to start on this one. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> well, sucks to be them. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks in between. It gives you something to look forward to. Otherwise, I'm sure half you guys would probably be hanging yourself with your dirty underwear on the shower curtain rod because you got nothing to live for. At least this way you got something to live for, right? Yeah, this Union Jack's awesome. Yeah, yeah you want to live for Union Jack. You <laughs> Community service. Yeah, we're, we're keeping you alive by stringing you out two weeks in between each one, right? <laughs> if you got if you got plenty to live for, then you should listen live. You go to the Brewing Network, uh, brewingnetwork.com and there's a, a link to listen live and it's real easy it's free it's uh, good stuff so. there's even an iPhone app in the iTunes store there if you're you not at home and you can uh, what, the, what the iPhone app does is it actually only listens live so it's perfect for those of you who aren't at home or if you're at work and you're firewalled yeah. <laughs> pull out your iPhone alright so plenty of good ways to get this information get it live and uh, hang out with us and uh, there's also chat room and all that good stuff also if you get a chance, uh, swing by the Brewing Network store. We got uh, plenty of great gear in there, all sorts of BN Army uh, t-shirts and hats and all sorts of goodies. Uh, and Stickers. it all goes to the bottom line, helps out uh, the Brewing Network, helps provide this programming. Books, other good goodies. Anyways, uh, if you get a chance, check all that out. We'll be back in two weeks if you're podcasting. Other than that, uh, Bruce Trout. And often. 